Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and today it's just the three of us, myself, Andy Skinner and Paul Chalk, to get through all of the latest involving our six teams. But first of all, how are we guys? Oh, good, thanks, right? Enjoying the Dons beat this week? You'll be, you'll be called in action in a couple of minutes' time. But yes, this week we have to discuss Aberdeen, the put on a scintillating display, given a little bit of help by Declan Gallagher, their former player, Agent Gallagher, against St Mirren, Ross County, they got off to, a, well it's a second league loss in a row now to start the season, but I think things are still feeling pretty positive around the Staggies, Inverness, the wind was the winner of course, as they played out a 0-0, well I don't know, I don't know if you can even say they played out a 0-0 draw with Arbroath at Gayfield over the weekend, but they've got Cove one of our you know, other sides this weekend to come in the championship up at the Caledonian Stadium. That's an exciting one which we'll have a big discussion on, I'm sure. And Peterhead and Elgin to discuss in League 1 and League 2 respectively as well. But yes, let's start with the Dons. Andy, 4-1 win against St Mirren. It was 3-0 by half-time. The first goal coming from William Majowski from the penalty spot after Declan Gallagher got his marching orders for a second. I mean, he should have been off already, some would suggest, for poleaxing left-back Caden Coulson. Uh, we don't actually know what his injury status is at this point, but I'm sure we'll find out today at Don's press. But yeah, I think he should have been off earlier, but then he got his marching orders for a deliberate handball. Bojan Majowski sticks that penalty away. Then scores a goal, um, a bit of anticipation from the striker's perspective, but one Trevor Carson in the St Mirren goal wouldn't have been too pleased with conceding, just kind of hesitated a little bit at his front post. Leighton Clarkson, who'd come on due to Coulson's injury, having only signed in the morning of the game, he then scores from what was full on 30 yards perhaps, 25 yards, I don't know, what's, let's go for the, the bigger number, but an absolutely scintillating strike into the the top corner. Second half, I, I think a lot of Don's fans were maybe in the ground, I was there, but getting slightly restless by the fact they weren't able to quickly add more goals to their tally, uh, submitting get a goal back, uh, penalty their own, it looked kind of soft to me, Johnny Hayes committing the foul for that one. But then, yeah, an unlikely link-up between perhaps outgoing striker from the old regime, Christian Ramirez, who came on, and new boy, the Duke, uh, Luis Lopez, then linking up for Luis Lopez's first goal, which was a deft little clip over the over the keeper, Carson, and off the inside of the far post, and then he celebrated in front of the red shed. But yeah, I think Leighton Clarkson is the obvious place to start, Andy. It was uh, quite the impact. Uh, very hard to remember a debut as good as that for a wee while. Ah, it's remarkable, especially considering he didn't start the game. Um, you know, it, it wasn't part of the, the plan to bring him onto the pitch so early. That was obviously enforced due to the the, the injury to Hayden Coulson. So a bit of a reshuffle in the team. And so I'm sure Jim Goodwin anticipated bringing him on at some point. But, um, you know, I don't think he would have particularly envisaged it being that setup that uh, that he, he was introduced to so um that was lovely play by Matty Kennedy down the, the left to to set him up in the first place and uh, you know as he said himself he knew it was in as soon as he hit it so uh yeah I mean the Don's fans will be looking for more of the same anytime he uh you know prepares a, a strike at goal because he showed all the instincts of a 
uh, you know, a midfielder that can can really be a, a huge danger to opposing teams on the the edge of the box. And it's quite a while, I suppose, since you've you've had that kind of goal threat from from those uh, kind of long distance areas, maybe. Um, the Scott uh, Severin have, threat. That's exactly the name I was going to bring up. Yeah, you know, just someone that you could sometimes bank on when when perhaps they were struggling to break a team down. Uh, Scott Severin was brilliant at it back in the day. And um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll see what uh, Clarkson can bring. But I mean, I wasn't at the game myself, but um, it, it seems as if he's brought um, a lot of dynamism to that attacking midfield area and, uh, you know, a, a hugely exciting capture uh, that adds another... You know, good quality option to the the midfield uh, selections that Jim Goodwin has to pick from. We were obviously discussing this in the office yesterday, Andy. But Rabidani and um, Clarkson have only played seventy eight minutes together. I think Clarkson is the player that Rabidani has passed to the most um, across the two ninety minutes he's played so far. The Albanian, I think, Rabidani's performance it was quite clear how important against Simeon he's going to be to the Dons this season he relieves the pressure on the back four taking the ball in tight areas he spreads it wide kind of again getting, getting the attacks going but then also he's able to turn and feed his fellow midfielders and it was Clarkson for most of the game on Saturday and Clarkson looked really obviously the shooting as well but he looked he looked really um willing to take risks with his passing and go forward. I know the accusation thrown at Aberdeen midfielders um, quite often over the last few seasons has been them only being willing to pass the ball sideways or backwards, but he looks like he's going to... I suppose the headache now, and we discussed this as well, was when Connor Barron's fit, you know, Danny Povara is sitting on the bench at the moment as well. What, like, what is Jim Goodwin's kind of first choice when everyone's available midfield going to be? Well, I mean, going into the game against Motherwell, I, I think it would probably have to to be, uh, you know, the the team that essentially won the game on on Saturday, uh, Ramadani and um, and Clarkson. Given that you know all four goals came with that partnership on the the field, um, I mean, I think it is clear we've seen you know a bit of Ramadani in the you know the League Cup, but you know also in the Premiership now, and you know he is going to hold that that fairly deep position as as you say he'll help the defence uh, as a screen but also you know be that first kind of option for them to uh, y- you know to pick uh, a pass and you know not afraid to to receive the ball in in tight areas but also you know a real willingness to spread the play forward and wide as well which was quite noticeable in some of the the graphics um the dons are clearly going to you know have you know attacking wing backs as as well or attacking full backs should i say um, but you know, if you can spread that play quickly, then I think Aberdeen have shown in the early stages of this season that you know they've got attacking players um, that that can really hurt teams with their pace. And I mean, we we obviously saw that in a slightly different form against Celtic on the opening day when they were mm-hmm. largely trying to hit on the counter attack. But you know, that's where the game against St Mirren, albeit against ten men, was an impressive one because it showed signs of what you know Aberdeen are going to do in a game where they're going to dominate the ball, as I'd imagine they probably would have anyway, um, even 11 against 11. Um, but no, it's it's a very exciting partnership that we're seeing there. Uh, obviously, Connor Barron's another one that's to come back from, from injury in a few weeks' time. Um, you know, you, you had Ross McCrory, who 
move back to to central defence with scales going to to left back and and the you know the extent of Coulson's injury might determine that that becomes a a bit more of a long term thing, which might make you know Jim Goodwin's midfield selection slightly easier in the meantime. But as I say, when when Barron comes back, then it's it's going to be a really uh, you know, severe headache for him, uh, albeit a, a good one. Rolling out the cliches, but it's it's the type of headache he wants, isn't it? Aye. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the fullbacks. I thought um, Jaden Richardson, he'd he'd struggled somewhat against Selic, you know, being on the back foot for a lot of the game. You know, you get caught out a few times down that, what was Selig's left flank, he's obviously on the right of the Don's defence, but I thought on Saturday as well we saw what he's going to bring to the team this season because, you know, he had a lot of opportunity to get forward and he was very willing, you know, to provide that extra option out on the the right flank. I think he'll be really important. The only thing I was going to say um, about Bojan Majowski was I think he'll be kicking himself somewhat that he didn't manage to complete his hat-trick on Saturday, had a couple of chances in the second half where he got the ball inside the 18-yard box in good positions and just maybe hesitated ever so slightly, uh, which I'm, I'm sure will have haunted his dreams um, over the rest of the weekend. But still, it should be said, a good performance from him, another deadly penalty and showed the anticipation and for the second goal that, you know, well... All good strikers that score loads of goals have that anticipation, you know, in in, in the six yard area when the ball's come across. Motherwell this weekend, Andy, these are the games, aren't they, that under Jim Goodwin, fans will be looking to see the Dons start stringing together games against St Mirren. I went, they've won against them, obviously. They play Motherwell this weekend, and I don't want to say it, but in the Derek McInnes era, there was a point where these, you know, the Dons found a way to win these games, found a way to string them, string the victories together, and they need to show that, especially with this game also coming out of Pataudry, don't they? Ah, uh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, this would be the first back-to-back league wins under Jim Goodwin if Aberdeen were to to pull off another victory over Motherwell. So, um, you know, if they are going to being you know challenging in the area of the table where they want to be up there towards the European spots then you know that consistency particularly at home is vital it was clearly a, a really difficult opening game that they had but you know after that they'd have been looking at the fixtures coming up we've got St Johnson and Livingston coming up after this one and and looking to really profit from uh you know you know that run of games to to sort of round off a a successful August to start the season and uh, you know the fact that they've beaten St Mirren was obviously really encouraging but um, you know it's it's a case of backing that up now and you know they're going to come up against a Motherwell side that will be smarting from a, a late uh, late defeat against uh, St Johnston at the weekend and they may have a new manager in place by uh, by Saturday as well there's been chatter of that till nothing confirmed as we record but um yeah, I mean they they'll know that the again the expectation will be on them to dictate the play, and you know they'll they'll just be looking to carry on from where they left off against St Mirren because uh, you know that's given them a good platform for how to approach these these home fixtures. Right, let's move on then, and after this short break, we'll discuss Ross Kempty and well, Inverness and Cove. 
Right, Andy, I mean, Ross County, another loss at the weekend, kind of, the game late on ran away from them a little bit against Celtic. They ended up losing 3-1, but it was probably a 2-1 game, nothing they could do against about Leo Labada's third for Celtic. It was a wonderful strike on the turn, curling in the far corner. But, yeah, I mean, it still feels pretty positive for County. They've competed against Hearts, they've competed against um, Celtic two games, I'm, I'm sure the bookies had them down as as losing. Uh, the real test is this weekend, isn't it, when they, they play St Mirren, having seen St Mirren's performance last weekend. I would argue it's a side that County will be pretty optimistic they can get their first three points on the board against. Yeah, I mean, I would say that going into the St Mirren game off the back of these two defeats where they have shown up well, um, you know, there's almost a, a wee bit of expectation on County to, to produce something that, you know, that does lead to a, a victory. Um, you know, Malky Mackay has spoken of how, particularly after the Hearts game, you know, if County can replicate that performance consistently through the season, then points will come. Um, so I suppose that's the challenge for his players now is to to go and deliver that and, uh, you know, put that to the test, I, I guess. And, um, I'm I'm pretty certain that that will be the case, given just how how good County were in the first half against Hearts at Tynecastle. But um, yeah, St Mirren obviously struggling um, in their their start to the campaign. Um, County have obviously come off the back of a a really good season in finishing sixth. So I guess teams will, will you know be targeting them and you know county will have that target on their backs um is what i was trying to say um which you know might make it slightly more difficult for them rather than being you know the underdog that they they kind of approached the the second half of the season last year with but uh i'm certainly positives to be taken from the celtic game as well i'm never too surprised to see celtic strike late um and postacoglu was certainly trying to to play down how concerned he was after the game which is I suppose quite easy to do after you've you've got the two late goals, but uh, I mean, I, I genuinely did think that uh, that County were going to to hold on. Um, pressure was obviously mounting, but I wouldn't say County were clinging on for dear life by by any means. Uh, They'll be, you know, will they be disappointed with the end goal? I mean, yeah, that, that to me is is a goal where Celtic haven't you know had to show that they've. You know they're a team that's you've got all these resources and all these, you know, players that are, I mean, considered uh, of higher quality than Ross County's players. You know, it's just a it's just a ball in the box that they, you know, they should have defended better. Yeah, yeah, and particularly because they'd been dealing with that sort of thing really well up until that point. Um, I mean, the, the first goal that Kyogo scored was, um, you know, well worked. It was a quick break from Celtic, um, but. You know, in terms of the yeah, the aerial balls coming into the box, uh, county centre halves seemed to be, you know, well organised. There was there was quite a rigid shape about the team um, from the start of the game, um, and although Celtic did get into dangerous areas in the first half, county, um, you know, they were organised enough to to be able to deal with it. They they brought flair on in the second half. Uh, you know, it wasn't too much of a surprise to see Aura Edwards come onto the the park. Um, given that that he had made such an impression in the first game against Hearts, um, and yeah, I mean, I I think we'll see a little bit more of what we we typically have seen from County 
this weekend. Uh, you know, I think Edwards will come back into the team, maybe Josh Sims as well, mm-hmm. and it will be more typical of a, a county side that we've seen in, in recent times with that that willingness to try and, as I say, spread the ball wide and, and break quickly to, um, you know, hurt St Mirren on the, on the day. Yeah, I, I did think it was quite interesting and quite... I suppose it shows his faith in his tactical plan from Malky Mackay that he was willing to drop um, a Wira Edwards who'd been the you know the standout Ross County player in the first weekend had grabbed all the headlines. Uh, Connor Randall's injury was confirmed as being a fractured leg yesterday and it's also understood after a tidy up operation on some uh, uh, cartilage in his knee. William Accio who's obviously just come across from Canada to join County both those players are going to be out for a period of months. I suppose Akio we saw a bit of him in the League Cup, but we haven't really seen what he can do yet. But Connor Randall, to me, seems like you know a significant blow. Yeah, without doubt. Um, I mean, I know from speaking to Malky McKay just how impressed he's been with Connor Randall's progress, um, pretty much just as last season developed, because he was sidelined for a, a couple of months at the start of the season. And that coincided with a period where Harry Clark, I remember him, uh, kind of stole the, the limelight and as County started to pick up points, Harry Clark was probably their standout performer in the first half of last season. And when he obviously went to Hibs in January, you know, there was perhaps a wee concern as to, you know, how are Ross County going to replace a, a player of that of that ilk um, and who's made such an impression in their team. In the second half of the campaign, Randall was unbelievable. He was really, really good. Um, part of a, a defensive backline that increasingly kept clean sheets, which, as we've touched on before, they kind of struggled to do previously. Um, but, you know, he was also a a, a really kind of uh, sound attacking threat. You know, not not so much of a goal threat as Clark was, but very key in supporting the, the attacking play that, that County showed uh, so often last season so but given that he's a settled part of that back line um, you know he's got a good understanding with the centre halves Yakovity and Baldwin as well as laid law and goals um, it's it's a severe blow for, for County and for, for Connor himself but um, you know Malky has strengthened that area of the, the pitch by bringing Callum Johnson in and it's an opportunity for, for him now to um, Seize his coming chance. to the side and yeah, perhaps, uh, perhaps at the start of the season, if Randall was was going to be fit, then you wouldn't have expected much game time for him. So it's an unexpected chance early in the season for him to to show why County were keen to to bring him north. Yeah, um, yeah, I would back County to do the business against Sutmeran this weekend. Sutmeran will obviously be missing Declan Gallagher following his red card at Todry. Right, Paul. I mean, there's not much we can say about our growth against Inverness, so we'll try and make this as forward-facing as possible. I mean, Inverness Cove at the Caledonian Stadium this weekend. I would say it's got draw written all over it for me. Cove, coming, they had a brilliant start to the season, um, beating Wraith Rovers um, comprehensively and perhaps unexpectedly comprehensively. Uh, they, as the, as the part-timers in that game, they then went down to Capilo and sounded like they were guilty of wasting chances in the first half and then a defensive mistake from Shea Logan compounded by his teammates sees him go down 1-0 at Morton 
But yeah, I mean, the, these teams obviously played out a draw in the, the League Cup recently, which Cali Thistle then got the bonus point from on penalties. But yeah, I just, it's, I just think, I, I, if I was a betting man, I would say that this is a, a 1-1-2-2 kind of kind of game would you concur yeah so I, I mean I like a flutter myself and you, you look at the championship um, you know the past couple of weeks Cali Thistle have drawn their last two games Hamilton have drawn their, their two games as, as well and you know the discussion last week in, in the press conference Inverness was just very much the fact that there are so many well matched teams in the championship and it, um, Billy was saying after the game at Arbroath there might be some disappointment in not leaving there with three points, but they were the only team in the league to do so from Gayfield. Arbroath know how to play that ground and play the win to their advantage because Hibs were the only other team in the whole season to, to win it, Gayfield. So going back to the Cove game, though, it was a 1-1 draw, as you say, in the Premier Sports Cup, and that was probably the right outcome before Cali Thistle won it in penalties. Um, speak to Cali Jags legend Ross Tokley this week. He was saying that for him, he, he watched that game, and although you know, Cove were impressive, he thinks if you can keep Mitch Meganson quiet, Cali Thistle should have the opportunity to win this game. Reading Jim McIntyre, the Cove manager's quotes the other day after that Morton defeat, He's still looking to bring in a few new faces, which was the, the case after that cup tie. He'll be hoping that he can do that over the next few weeks. He does need more options. But uh, you're right, Ryan, that Cove can be really pleased with the way they started the, the season with that victory over Wraith, a very established club that should be in and around the playoffs again. So they'll be dangerous opponents. But Cali Thistle have laid out very clearly their intentions this, this season. It's to win this league. They don't want involved in the playoffs again. They want to be following Kilmarnock into the automatic route back into the Premiership. They've been out of it too long. We've just spoken about Ross County. Ten seasons out of 11, they've been a top-flight club in, in the Highlands. Cali Thistle have been the outside looking in for too long. They want to be winning this championship. And they, they genuinely, I don't think, and their fans don't think there's any side in that league they should be fearful of, including Dundee. But... Um, you need to be winning your home games and against a team who's just come up without the options that Jim McIntyre has, this has got to be seen as an opportunity for Cali Thistle. I do, yeah. I feel from an Inverness perspective, if there's a team that needs to win this one more, it's, it's them just to get just to get the ball rolling a little bit. Cove have got the three points on board already, so they're, they're up and running. You know, Cali Thistle really need, need to get the win to, to climb the table and move back into contention. Yeah, in terms of Cove, I think, Chucky, you'll be the first one of us to see Louis Longstaff, their new signing, who obviously came through at Liverpool. He was at Queen's Park last season, but you'll be the you'll be the first to witness him playing in the flesh for Cove Rangers, so it'll be intriguing to see how he gets on. All right, another short break then, and then we'll close out this week's episode with Peterhead and Elgin. Okay, so Peterhead at the weekend left Clyde disappointed, despite the fact that they'd, they'd got a 2-2 draw, having been 2-0 down in the first half, got it back to 2-2 by half-time. Jack Newman then saved a Clyde penalty. Jordan Allen was sent off for Clyde, meaning Peterhead were playing against 10 men, and Peterhead weren't able to go on and get their third goal and you know win the game 3-2 or by a bigger margin, both keeper Jack Newman and Jim McAnally said roughly the same thing that Peterhead weren't brave enough 
with the man advantage to take the three points and at times it was almost as if they were the the, the team playing with the 10 men, which will be disappointing, will it? Because I suppose Peterhead has fine margins over the course of a League One season for them as a part-time team, especially they need to they take the, these opportunities when they get them, don't they? Very much so, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a strange one to kind of analyse because uh, you know just a crazy first half hour. Uh, you know, they they managed to to pull it back to two two on the half hour mark. So you know you'd think at that stage that the, you know they would have the impetus to to go and uh, you know try and kill Clyde off. But um, by the same token, you know I suppose they they don't lose any ground on on Clyde. They've they've managed to. Um, you know, come back from two goals down to to avoid a, a defeat, which you know certainly would have been, um, you know, concerning against ten men. So I suppose they're they're just looking for that real kickstart to their season now, aren't they? I mean, Falkirk on Saturday is a a, a team that's uh, certainly in in crisis mode again after yeah. after their defeat to Airdrie. So you know, they they just need to try and take advantage of that in in any way they can. Um, I I don't think Jim McInnell will be too concerned at this this point in the, the season um, as it's it's still very much a, a build-up uh, for, for for the Blue Toon, just the, the sheer number of, uh, you know, players that, that they've lost and guys trying to, or trying to bring guys in as well, um, you know, makes for for maybe a, a slightly unsettled start to the, the season, but um, I'm sure you will have seen this many times, times before and, and know that... Uh, you know the the blue tune can, uh, you know, string form together further down the line. Yeah, just need to keep calm. But but yeah, as you said, Falkirk this weekend it wouldn't be a an SPFL season without Falkirk being in crisis mode. Would it? Uh, Ola Adiemo, it should be said, got his his first goal in League One for Peterhead. Obviously, joined from Cove. We discussed him last week and Jim McAnally, how he'd been talking about maybe. There was a bit of a burden on him with their their lack of depth at the moment, and you know he was maybe trying too hard to get off the mark, but he managed to. It sounded like a decent, decent sort of composed finish on the turn among the bodies to to get his uh, his blue tune career up and running. Conor O'Keefe, Keefe, Conor O'Keefe got his sec- the second Peterhead goal, and that of course, despite the disappointment, it is their first point this term. It shouldn't be forgotten. Elgin, they also got their first point, but it was the opposite for the Borough Briggs men. Two goals up and cruising at half-time via Russell Dingwall and Kane Hester, who's signed a new contract this week. That's a a good one for them, but it'll be a positive after what I'm sure was a disappointing result of the weekend, because to draw 2-2, having done the old classic Elgin thing of starting the second half slowly quickly conceding a couple of goals they then find themselves down to 10 men, Daryl McCarty sent off for a second booking I mean it didn't sound like they were clinging on towards the end to hold on to that 2-2 draw, it sounded like it was reasonably sort of uh, a sort of trundle of the game to the end to the 90th minute but um, yeah, why are Elgin, why can't, why can't they just you know get 2-0 up and kick on in these kind of games well, I mean, they did get a midweek win against Dundee United, thankfully, after that in the SPFL Trust Trophy, the Dundee United B-side, Kane Hester, as you say, getting his new deal uh, for two years, um, and speak to Kane uh, earlier today and Gavin Price, uh, you know, they're hopeful that 
you know, they can go down to Forfar. It's one of the more difficult fixtures in League Two for far away, but they're always a, a, a close encounter. Um, and Kane, uh, you know, lives in, in Forfar, so he won't need to travel far for that one. But um, Kane's delighted to, to be getting this deal out. Gavin was saying that, you know, he's 27 now, Kane, and he feels the two more years at Elgin, and then he might be ready to kind of look for a for a move. But Kane was telling me this morning that um, it doesn't suit him in, in terms of he's fine for being a part-time player, although he, he has noted the the uh, the uh, step up from his former Elgin teammate Shane Sutherland, who was terrific for Calithiso last year, getting into full time. So he hasn't completely ruled it out, but this time in his uh, his, his life, uh, part-time uh, football suits him. But he he'll continue to be a key player for Elgin, and Gavin Price is looking to recruit another striker to help uh, ease the burden up top for for Elgin. But uh, fingers crossed they can build on that point at Stirling, as disappointing as it was, just to leave with a point and, and get up uh, up the table on onto four points. You turned that really positively, Paul. I'm, uh, I'm impressed. Uh, anyway, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. How many before we before we depart? How many wins we getting this weekend across our teams? Obviously, we can't um, we can't possibly come down on either way on Cove or Inverness. So the other four: Aberdeen against Motherwell, Ross County playing St Mirren. Peterhead against Falkirk and Elgin playing for for how many wins are we going to get out of those ones? I'll go I'm going to be optimistic this week. I'm <laughs> I was thinking two, but I'm I'm going to go three. So Chalky thinks draws. <laughs> so Chalky thinks that Aberdeen and Ross County are going to win clearly, um, and Andy uh, Andy, are you saying Elgin are going to win? I am. So, so Peterhead are the team that don't win this week. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Catch up next week. I'm sure I'm sure we'll be lower than two if things go the way they've gone so far this season when we've tried this. But yes, thanks guys. Uh, thanks Ryan. Thanks Ryan. Yeah. And if you've liked this episode of Northern Goal, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any questions or queries to Northern Goal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the games, whichever ones you're watching this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.